I certainly didn't think that, uh, you know, when, G- when Daryl asked me to share the message this Sunday, I thought I would be speaking to a, a phone camera screen in our study talking to four walls, but this is much better, <laughs> to see your faces, to be able to gather again, to worship together, and to, and to share around God's word together, so it's really good, it's good to see your faces. And yes, there are rumors that maybe there'll be another lockdown and we won't be able to do this, but in this moment today... We are glad, and we are just going to be present here today. And so if you have your Bible, let's get stuck in. Uh, You can turn to Matthew 6, and we're going to be looking at just a few verses from what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew extends from chapters 5 to 7, and this sermon is Jesus' longest recorded sermon which was delivered shortly after his public ministry began. So you'll remember he got baptized by John the Baptist, went into the wilderness where he was tempted, and shortly after that, his public ministry started. And this sermon is shortly after his public ministry started. So maybe you'll also remember some time ago we spoke about one of the key themes of Jesus' teaching is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as it's referred to mostly in Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel has got a very, very strong theme of Jesus as the king of the kingdom of heaven. It comes across very clearly in Matthew's gospel. And just to recap quickly about the kingdom of God, it is a kingdom that is here now, and it is not yet here. So it's here now, but it's not yet here. Some of the aspects of the kingdom of God are here already because Jesus has come, but there are some aspects that will only be fulfilled at his second coming. And so when Jesus delivered this Sermon on the Mount, he was speaking to a very different world then. More than 2,000 years ago, the ancient world, it looked very different to our modern world today where we are are living. So he was speaking to a different culture, different customs and traditions to what we have today. But, and this is very important, the king has not changed. The king has not changed. And the principles of his kingdom have not changed. And so there are some beliefs and character traits and practices that he is expecting from us as his followers. And there are also attitudes and behaviors that we should avoid. And so we are going to focus in on just one area this morning, just one area of these kingdom principles. And so let's read together from Matthew 6, verse 1 to 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites. And just to pause there, Jesus used this term hypocrites quite a lot in his teaching. Uh, And many times when he used that term, he was referring to the religious leaders of the day. So, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored or praised. By others, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving 
maybe in secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so this passage is Jesus is highlighting the spiritual practice of giving to the needy. And you hear for the first time and you're like, okay, 9.52, I was wondering how long it was gonna take them before they got to this giving thing. Please don't run away and don't switch off because it's not what you're thinking, stick with me. It's a lot more important than that. And so you'll notice Jesus says, when you give. So the assumption is that we give. As, as kingdom people or citizens, we give. It doesn't say if you give, it says when you give. But Jesus goes much deeper than that, like he usually does, because he's concerned with what is happening in our hearts. So yes, he's referring to giving, but actually what he's referring to is giving so that you look good. So he's saying your heart motive in giving is very, very important. It's not enough to just give. And so what kind of motive should we be giving with? We give in obedience to God because we want to reflect his generous nature. So it's actually not about us. We give out of a sense of gratitude to him because of his generosity to us and his provision to us. We give as an act of worship, like Daryl said earlier on. And this is maybe one of the most important ones. We give out of sincere love and compassion for those who are in need. You know, Leonie got emotional when she was talking about this because it's out of a sense of love and compassion towards those who are in need and who are desperate. The Apostle Paul reminds us, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I would have gained nothing. So Paul is echoing what Jesus is saying. We don't give like the hypocrites in this text who were play acting or they were pretending. That's what a hypocrite is, someone who play acts or pretends. So not only were the hypocrites, they were hypocrites, they were religious hypocrites, which is, is so much worse and so much more damaging because they were using the spiritual practice of giving so that they could be seen and they could be admired and they gave for the approval and the appreciation and the acceptance and applause of men. And friends, before we shake our heads at the hypocrites and look down our noses at them, let us acknowledge that there is a hypocrite lying in each of us, hiding away in each of us. We should honestly ask ourselves, Am I giving to be noticed? Am I giving to be well thought of? Am I giving so that I can find favor with people? So the, their image was important to them. The hypocrites and the religious leaders, their image was very important to them. And we are still consumed with our own image today, whether it be physically or socially or spiritually. And if you think about a technology, has made this so much easier. Because we can create an image for ourselves and we can present that image to the entire world. It's all about fame and followers. You know, for the religious leaders, their scope was limited to the community. 
that they found themselves in. With us, we can project it so much further and so much wider, and we can keep manipulating that image, and we can keep tweaking it to maintain it as a positive image. And who cares if it's false as long as I look good? And the religious leaders were faking it then, using the spiritual practice of giving to the poor to glorify themselves instead of glorifying God. So Jesus says, in the kingdom of heaven, you will only be rewarded for the giving that you do with the right motive. So Jesus has no problem rewarding giving. He says he does reward giving, but he only rewards giving that is done with the right motive, and that's sobering. He's saying that if you give with a motive to be seen by men here on earth, when they see you, you will have your reward. That, that will be your reward. There you go, that's your reward. But it's temporary, and it's earthly, and it has an expiry date. But if your motive in giving is to glorify him, your reward will be eternal. It will be an eternal reward. And so when we become citizens of heaven, by accepting King Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that's how we become citizens of his kingdom, it's almost like we're joining the king's secret service. And so we do good so he looks good without publicizing it to make us look good. And so in our giving, we have to ask, can I do this and not tell anyone about it? And can I do this even if no one else knew about it? And there's a couple sitting in this church who model this. If they give you something or, or give to the needy, they say, it's a blessing from heaven. They don't make it about them. And they just go about it very quietly, very undercover. They're very good secret agents. And you've got to ask, if someone found out about my giving and they praised me for it, would I, would I take the glory for myself? Or would I reflect that back to God? I'll share a story um, from the beginning days of, of freedom. It was in 2017 where, when we first started. We started in the September and this was in the December. We found out about an initiative to do a Christmas party for under, underprivileged children. So we contacted the lady who was, who was setting this up and we had the Christmas party on the Saturday and then she said to us, would it be okay if I, if I came to church one Sunday just to, you know, thank you guys? And so she did that one Sunday and uh, they had these little handmade necklaces and she sort of put it on our, on our necks and uh, then we got an email from another lady on the Monday, and she said, can I get together with you and Daryl? I just want to chat to you about something. And so I'll never forget, we met her at the Mug and Bean there at Faramir, and um, she said, guys, I was a bit uncomfortable with what happened in church yesterday, um, especially in the light of Matthew 6, and she quoted these verses. And she said, it felt to me like God didn't get the glory. And that was a very key moments for Daryl and I because even though our motive wasn't for freedom to get the glory and even though her motive was, was out of gratitude, 
Can you see how subtle this is? Especially when it's in a spiritual or religious context. It's so subtle. And that's why Jesus is saying, be careful, beware, because very quickly the lines get blurry and the trap is set. And the enemy loves setting traps and we don't see them because we think this is spiritual. This is, this is a spiritual giving. And so this is what Jesus is warning us about. So we have to ask, am I doing this to look good? In Matthew chapter five, so this is still the Sermon on the Mount that we're busy with. In verse 16, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So now you might be saying, mm, I'm confused now. Do we let people see? Don't we let them see? I'm not too sure now. And I think we have to come back to what is the motive of our heart? Remember, this is what Jesus is talking about here. What is the motive of your heart? And I love this quote by the author C.S. Lewis. He's, it's, it's a good uh, filter for these things. He says, don't shine so others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see him. And so when I read that, I'm almost like, we just a, a pane of glass that's there, but people look through it and they see Jesus. They don't actually see us at all. And so the same can be said for giving. Don't give so that others can see you. Give so that through you, others can see him. And this kingdom of God is a very different kingdom to the kingdom of the world. It's a very, very different kingdom. In the kingdom of the world, it's about self-love. It's all about self-love. Whereas in God's kingdom, God tells us, love me first and love others as you love yourself. Two different kingdoms. In the kingdom of the world, look out for yourself. Look out for yourself. You number one, Look out for yourself. In God's kingdom, he says, care for and serve others. In the kingdom of the world, it's about self-promotion. Get yourself out there. You know, live your best life. Get, it, get yourself out there. But in God's kingdom, John the Baptist tells us how we should live. He says, Christ must increase, but I must decrease. So Christ is more important we are less important. In the kingdom of the world, it's all about independence and self-sufficiency. Whereas in God's kingdom, it is all about a deep and abiding dependence on God for everything. Living in the vine, connected to the vine, without him we are nothing. In the kingdom of the world, it's about self-indulgence. So if it makes you happy, and you feel like doing it, and no one gets hurt, go for it. Whereas in God's kingdom, everything comes into obedience of his word. And we don't just do whatever we want, and we don't just do whatever we desire, we are obedient to what he says in his word. So success is measured very differently in these two worlds. The one is a world of pride, the one is a world of humility. And we don't have a king who says to us, do as I say simply, because he showed us how to live like this. He set the perfect example for us to follow. He showed us the way. 
And Paul tells us in, in his letter to the Philippians, and again it echoes what Jesus is saying, he says from verse 3, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Oh, thanks, Paul. Just took it up a notch there. Don't look out for your own. In, don't look out only for your own interests. So he's not saying don't look out for your interests. Don't look out only for your interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What attitude did Jesus have? He tells us in verse six. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He's the son of God. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus, God the Son, the second person in the Trinity, is a humble king. He is a humble king. So Jesus lived for 33 years. But for 30 of those years, his first 30 years, he grew up largely in obscurity. He wasn't well known. Before his public ministry, he lived a life submissive to imperfect parents, maturing, living, working, building relationships, studying, teaching, loving God, and loving people. And some of you sitting here are like, I don't really feel like I'm making a difference. And are you doing any of those things? Are you in submission to imperfect parents? Are you maturing? Are you living and working and building relationships and studying and teaching and loving people and loving God? You're on the right track. He's an unusual king, and this is a very unusual kingdom. And so where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? I hope this morning that we will all take a sober look at ourselves. So in this text, Jesus is specifically referring to the spiritual practice of giving to the needy. And maybe this morning you're sitting there and you're like, okay, uh, I think that's where I need to start in whatever way that you are able but you have a sense that's where I need to start. Maybe you are giving to those who are in need, but you're like, mm, I might need to go undercover a little bit more. I might need to go just a notch under the radar there. But what if we took this caution about our heart motive and we extended it further and we took it deeper? And each of us asked, what area of my life am I tempted to want to be seen or noticed or praised or well thought of? What is that area of my life? 
What am I tempted to bring up in a conversation with someone, especially for the first time where I'm trying to create a good impression and I'm trying to establish my identity? What is that thing that I usually bring up in whatever context? Work, school, varsity, church, with friends, on social media, because we do this in a number of different settings. You know that thing, that thing that you can't wait to subtly weave into the conversation, you know, very subtly. Because you know, generally, people are impressed by it, or, yeah, you just feel like you get a bit of a, a rush of adrenaline because finally I'm seen, and I feel significant, and I'm acknowledged, and I'm applauded. Maybe it's something I'm an expert in, or I'm respected for. Maybe it's a role I play, or someone I know, and these things are not bad in and of themselves, but we have to ask, if, if I lost this thing, if this thing was no longer a part of my life, would I lose a key part of my identity? Because being successful in this thing makes me feel significant as a person. And I sort of feel like I've made it in this area. And each of us desire to be seen and to be significant, and that's not inherently bad. But how we choose to satisfy those desires is where it can get bad for us. Because our, our desire to be seen and to be significant can only be satisfied in Jesus. Our desire to be seen and to be significant can only be satisfied in Jesus. And so if you look for it anywhere else from anyone else, like Solomon says, you will feel like you are chasing after the wind. Or, to use a more modern example, running on that hamster wheel, round and round and round and getting nowhere and feeling empty. And so not only does God see us, we are significant in him. We are significant to him, but we are significant because of what he has done. And so that's where our value lies. And how do we experience that? We experience that in the secret places in our relationship with him. Further on in this passage, Jesus goes on to talk about the spiritual practices of prayer and of fasting. And he speaks about private prayer, going into your closet, into that secret place. And that's how we experience being seen and, and feeling significance is in those secret places in our relationship with him. And when we settle into that place, it doesn't matter who sees us. And it doesn't matter who's impressed with us or who is not impressed with us. Because we are content and we are satisfied in him. And we live in that place where we know he loves us and we love him. And that overflows into a love for others and good works that are done not for our glory, but for his glory. And we hardly notice that we're actually doing good works because it becomes part of the nature of God in us being reflected to others. And so in these things, our focus is not on being famous. Our focus is on being faithful to the famous one. And that's what kingdom people look like. 
And that's how they live. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like that. And I'm not like that. There are many times where I weave things into conversations. And, and, and flip, God does this every time. But as I've been preparing this message, I'm like, hmm. Yeah, it's like the stage. You know, the curtains. And you can't see what's behind there. And it's, it looks pretty. But then when the curtains are gone, what is really there? What is really there? And so, I, yeah, God is busy with me. And I don't want to be alone, so hopefully he'll be busy with you too. Because <laughs> it's, it's hard when you see yourself for who you really are and how much play acting you do. And so that's my prayers, Freedom Church, that we would never make it about us and that we would always make it about him and that we would reflect his nature to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.